All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am giving you my year-in review of the Atlanta Falcons running back position in 2019. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at Falcfans, of course, the host of this magnificent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. And today we're continuing our positional year end reviews, looking back at each position group for the Atlanta Falcons in 2019, assessing sort of the, what each guy did in 2019, and also talking a little bit about. What could be coming up for the position group in 2020? And today we're, of course, talking about the running back position. We talked about the quarterback position yesterday. If you didn't check out that episode, by all means, go back and check it out on your favorite podcast platform that you listen to your lockdown podcasts on. And today we're going to be talking about Devontae Freeman in terms of sort of how much of a step he lost and what's left in the tank. We'll talk about the backup quarter, uh, backup running backs, I'm sorry, as well as touch a little bit on the fullback position for another Locked On Fullbacks podcast. We won't spend as much time on the fullback position as I usually do uh, on today's episode. And then we'll sort of look ahead, uh, spend a, a large part of the conversation looking ahead to what options the Falcons potentially have to make changes in 2020 at the running back position. So without further ado, let's sort of jump right into things. So it wasn't a great year for the Falcons rushing attack in 2019. They finished 30th in the NFL in terms of rushing yards per game. When you look at more advanced metrics like football outsiders DVOA, which is probably a more accurate way of determining uh, rushing ability league wide than necessarily looking at how many yards you get. The Falcons finished 23rd in rushing DVOA this past season, and they also were dead last in terms of the percentage of plays that they had on offense that were run plays. So clearly the team lacked the balance, not only with their inability to run the ball more this season, but also their inability to run the ball effectively this season. And it wasn't quite the rebound season that I think a lot of people were expecting for running back Devontae Freeman. Freeman certainly had a couple of good games sprinkled throughout the season where he did look like the running back of old prior to his 2018 injury that kept him out of 14 games last season, you know, outside of four or five games, you weren't really getting a lot of production from Freeman as the Falcons lead tailback. When you are looking around the league and looking at the running backs that got the ball at least 125 or more times this past season, Freeman did have the lowest pro football focus grade as far as running the ball. You did not see the same level of explosiveness. You did not see the same level of elusiveness from Freeman this year as you had seen in previous years prior to his injury. And while I think it's fair to say that some of what was lost from Freeman had less to do with his own ability and more to do with changes in the Falcons blocking scheme where the Falcons went away from the outside zone running scheme established by Kyle Shanahan in 2015, continued by Steve Sarkeesian in 2017, but seemingly discontinued by offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter this past year in 2019 with the Falcons being more of an inside zone team and running a little bit more gap stuff. Freeman shined in the outside zone scheme under the previous offensive coordinators. And I think you can say 
he did not shine in the change scheme. And I think that is something to do with it. But at the same time, I don't know if we can blame all of the decline of Freeman on the scheme change. Um, so I, I do think people probably exaggerated a little bit too much, sort of how much he lost, but I think it's certainly fair to say that he did lose something. And it raises questions over whether that decline is going to allow the Falcons to remain committed to him as their lead tailback headed into 2020. And I don't know if they have other options on the roster that can sort of, you know, leapfrog him or take a larger chunk of the load. We saw Edo Smith serve as Freeman's primary backup for the first half of the season until his season ended after he suffered a second concussion in a four week span about midway through the season. Edo Smith was very productive in limited action. He showed a little bit more uh, burst and, and explosiveness uh, coming off the bench as a uh, substitute for uh, Freeman. The other backup running back that the Falcons had was Brian Hill. Hill had his ups and downs, certainly looked better coming off of the bench in a limited role than he did during that two-week span after the bye when he had to take over for an injured Freeman as a starter and wasn't particularly productive as the lead guy in that game, in those two games, and you know was even less productive in those two games than really what Freeman had been at any point during the year. And then the sort of third backup that the Falcons had was Quadri Olison, their rookie, who was effective in a limited role, uh, particularly when it came to short yardage and red zone runs and, and had a, brought a little bit more power to the table. I think all of these guys bring value as role players, but I think they're all backups and I think they will continue to remain backup players that can provide a little bit of a spark off the bench, but may not be the types of guys that you can expect to carve out a more significant role for this team in 2020. And so I think it really does beg the question whether or not the running back position is going to be an area of concern and an area that the Falcons are going to look to address this coming off season as Dan Quinn wants to become a more balanced, wants to become a more physical football team by being able to, you know, beef up their running game. We saw them make attempts to beef up their offensive line and invest there last offseason. It didn't necessarily work out in that favor, but that could mean that with those investments made there, now it's time to turn their attention and potentially look in terms of a new direction at the running back position in 2020 and beyond. So there's your lead story, guys, and we'll continue today's conversation taking a deeper look at uh, all – four of the running backs on the Falcons roster. Um, and then we'll also get into the fullback position coming up on today's episode. But uh, before we get there, I do want to let you guys know that you can uh, check out a uh, daily podcast on the NBA side of the lockdown podcast network on all 30 NBA teams, including the Atlanta Hawks. Check out locked on Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland on whatever podcast platform you listen to this one, including Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and Spotify. So eventually on today's episode, we will sort of turn our attention to the Falcons 2020 options at the running back position. But I think let's talk a little bit more about 2019 and, and let's talk a little bit more about some positives, um, at least for in the case of Devontae Freeman, by not focusing on his ability as a runner, but focusing on his ability in pass protection. And I think he certainly um, was one very effective in that role throughout most of 2019. And when you look at pro football focus grades, they tend to agree with that. You know, if you look at the 32 running backs that 
spent the highest number of snaps pass protecting this year. Freeman was graded in the top 10. And had he not had some struggles in those two games against the Saints, uh, trying to pick up some of their blitzers, you know, he would have wound up having, I think, either the number one or number two highest grade outside of those two games in the other, you know, 12 games that he played this year. So that's one of the points I wanted to make, you know, and I kind of made earlier this uh, season falling on the heels of the reports that the Falcons were thinking about trading Devontae Freeman to the Detroit Lions, but ultimately decided not to make that trio trade because of, you know, and I basically explained that Freeman's value as a pass protector meant that it made perfect sense for the Falcons to sort of hold on to him. And again, he was one of the more valuable guys. And and certainly at the time of that trade, I think he was one of the, like the two or three higher highest graded running backs in the league in terms of pass protection, uh, you know, by like week seven, week eight or whatever, when the Falcons were thinking about shopping him and that pass protection, you know, Hill struggled throughout the season there. We saw Ido Smith struggle there, particularly when it came to the injuries. Both of his concussions were suffered trying to work in pass protection. Um, and, you know, Quadri Allison barely got any work there. You know, he was fine for the two snaps that he did play in pass protection during the regular season. He struggled in that arena um, during the preseason, which is probably one of the reasons why the Falcons did not give him too many more opportunities during the regular season to do that. Um, we also saw uh, late in the season against Jacksonville, Devontae showed still that he still had value as a pass catcher. And so while I think it's fair to sit here and say and, and be critical of Devontae and, and saying his running skills have declined and diminished, his value in the passing game, particularly as a pass catcher, I think still means that he, you know, is comparable to other uh, you know, quality running backs in the league, at least as far as the passing game is concerned. And so that's going to be a major concern for the Falcons if they do decide to turn the page on Devontae Freeman after this season. You know, they have three other options that could emerge. Um, and certainly Allison and, and Hill were guys that were noted for being good pass protectors in college. We didn't quite really see that so far in the rookie seasons. You know, who knows with Smith uh, in terms of him moving forward. Um, but the point being, like, certainly – you could say those guys could get better with more exposure, more reps. That's fair. Uh, but if the Falcons did decide to cut loose Devontae Freeman, that would be a significant gamble because they wouldn't have necessarily a proven option and would have to potentially have to go out there and find somebody that was a little bit more proven in that arena. And, you know, rookie running backs are notorious for not necessarily being great pass protectors as well. So, you know, and we kind of saw that these last couple of years with some of these other young guys. So, that's going to be something that the Falcons are going to have to weigh heavily, you know, and given that they already have question marks at the offensive line position, I don't know if you want to go into 2020 with even bigger question marks in terms of pass protection at the running back position. So, you know, I think when we look at the rest of this group with Edo Smith, the main issue with Edo Smith is not ability, it's durability. You know, that two two concussions in a four-week span, the latter of which shut him down for the, the entire season, understandably. And so really you kind of worry about his long-term future. I think as a runner, um, as a pass catcher, uh, you know, there's every reason to like Edo Smith. There's every reason to like the things that he showed us in 2019 as well as in 2018. But I think really the issue right now is you can't really trust him to stay healthy because what happens if he has a third concussion? Now, 
obviously Devontae Freeman earlier in his career had some issues with concussions, and that was a concern these last couple of years with sort of his injury history. He's been able to avoid concussions the last two seasons. Uh, he's had other issues um, in terms of injuries. But um, so there's no guarantee that Smith is going to have future concussion issues, but it certainly is a concern because you don't necessarily know if you can trust him long term uh, should he have other concussions. So with Brian Hill, he has a nice blend of power and explosiveness that he was able to show off at times. I think the main concern with Brian Hill, at least from my watching the film, is there are some concerns about his vision. You know, he's kind of Tevin Coleman-esque in that way. I think Quadri Olison, you know, proved himself to be an effective and uh, in, in classic power back uh, for the Falcons this past year. You know, I've said before that I think he would be best served dropping some weight, you know, dropping 10 or 15 pounds, getting a little bit more wiggle and burst, change of direction ability to make him a little bit more of a threat as a runner to make guys miss. Uh, but certainly that power element to his game made him an effective runner when it came to short yards this year, when it came to red zone opportunities this year. So certainly the assertion that I had going into the season uh, when it, with regards to Olison being sort of this power guy um, and the idea that I said that power, you know, big physical power backs is or kind of dead or antiquated idea. I think Olison did more than enough to say, okay, maybe it's not completely dead. So that, you know, speaking of power, let's talk about the fullback position. Let's get to the locked on Fal- locked on fullbacks portion of this show. And I thought, you know, Keith Smith got off to a little bit of a rocky start, and that's somewhat understandable given that they basically signed him one day and then he was practicing two days and then he was playing on like the on the third day uh, of him being on the roster and it probably took him a couple of weeks to get really up to speed. And I thought eventually he's, he turned into a solid player. I don't think he was amazing by any means. He was certainly a significant upgrade over what the Falcons have had at the fullback position the last two seasons in Ricky Ortiz and Derek uh, Coleman. And so he's going to be a free agent. Um, he's going to be a guy that I think it totally makes sense to resign him, uh, particularly if you can do so for a modest contract. Um, but I do wonder if, um, you know, the Falcons might be more willing to utilize those two tight end sets that we were seemingly promised, uh, you know, going into the season until the Falcons scooped up uh, Keith Smith. You know, I felt like when Luke, Luke Stocker got opportunities out there this past season when he lined up at fullback, I thought he was effective. I, I don't feel like the offense really lost anything from moving from Smith to Stocker. Um, we'll talk about Stocker later uh, next week uh, when we get to the tight end position. And certainly I think his status is on the bubble. So maybe that helps Keith Smith out in a lot of ways. So, you know, I think Keith Smith was solid. He's certainly not going to fill the DeMarco size hole in my heart who can, but uh, I think he can be potentially better next year uh, should he get another opportunity here uh, as he, you know, sort of gels with whoever the Falcons running backs wind up be. So I think when you look at this position group, you know, between Freeman, Smith, uh, Hill, Allison, um, Edo Smith, I'm referring to not, not Keith uh, at the tailback position we're talking about. I think you have the makings of sort of a four headed beast, um, when you can say if you were running a committee system and putting these four guys behind a good offensive line, I think that could work for what the Falcons need at the running uh, in, in terms of their running game. But I think that's part of the problem. They don't really have a good offensive line as of yet. Um, they have major questions there. And I think you can certainly make a case that 
an upgrade at the running back position could certainly get more out of it than they got this past season. And that's something that we should be talking about coming up on today's episode. But um, before we get there, you guys should be checking out the Locked On NFL podcast hosted by Brian Peacock, where Brian is joined by Matt Williamson, former NFL scout. And Matt gives you his thoughts on all things going around around the league, coaching hires, playoff stuff. So, you know, if you want to see what's going on elsewhere in the NFL uh, beyond, you know, Locked On Fullbacks podcast, then definitely check out the Locked On NFL podcast on your favorite Locked On podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So we know Dan Quinn wants to be physical. And certainly while I roll my eyes somewhat to that notion, um, the reality is this, that Dirk Cutter's offense, if it has a reliable and consistent ground attack, particularly on early downs, will certainly make this offense as it was run in 2019 more effective. Now, Granted, I do want to stress that I think the offense as it was run in 2019 was very flawed. Um, I think there's no denying, though, that if this team can find success running the ball on first and second downs, um, it will lead to this offense being a lot more efficient um, on subsequent downs, third downs in the red zone, etc. And so while I'm hopeful that Dirk Cutter will adapt and change and evolve his offense in 2020, I am by no means optimistic that that will happen. And so really we're in a situation where all we can really do is evaluate the team that we have, not necessarily the team that we want. And so I think really what's going to happen is the Falcons are going to have to make a decision on whether they want to keep or cut Devontae Freeman. It's kind of similar to me to the Robert Alford situation last year, where I was a vocal defender of Robert Alford and his performance in 2018, linking much of his quote-unquote decline and struggles that year to injury more than anything else. But there was no denying that given Alford's advanced age and price tag, that it made sense for the Falcons to move on from him. And when you couple that with the promise and potential that Isaiah Oliver had showed as a rookie, you know, it made that decision a little bit easier. I don't know if we can look at what Hill and Allison and Smith did as, you know, another Isaiah Oliver in waiting. And then when you couple that with the fact that Oliver didn't necessarily live up to the expectations this past season, replacing Alford, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if the Falcons and understandably aren't as quick to cut Devonte Freeman and think everything's going to be just fine. If they do wind up cutting Freeman, they will wind up saving about three and a half million against their salary cap while having to eat about six million in dead money against the 2020 cap. And the dead money is going to be the biggest deterrent for the Falcons in cutting Devontae Freeman. Right now, he's set to count nine point five million dollars against the 2020 salary cap, making him the fifth highest paid running back in the league next year as far as cap hits are concerned. But even if you cut him and you eat that $6 million in dead money, that $6 million would still be the ninth highest paid running back in the league. And you're not going to get any value out of that. You're basically paying him $6 million not to pay for play for your football team. And so he'd still be counting more against the Falcons books than say Christian McCaffrey or Mark Ingram are for the Panthers and and Ravens. Um, So I think it makes the most sense for the Falcons if they want to keep Devontae Freeman to try to approach him and ask him to restructure. And you could potentially save a similar amount, slightly more money. If you approach them to do one of these max restructures where you take his base salary and turn in a signing bonus 
Um, and you still be paying him around like $6 million. Uh, but you would still at least get that value on the field rather than just eating it in dead money. But the question is, or is going to be whether or not Devontae Freeman is going to be open to the idea of restructuring his contract, particularly when you given the fact that, you know, there were rumors about him being traded. Now, certainly the Falcons basically publicly said that they were against trading him, but you know, maybe he feels some type of way understandably about that. The fact that he was, you know, they had conversations about trading him, but you know, the, the good thing for Freeman is the way that these restructures work is that he's not really going to be taking a pay cut. So it's just the team moving around money and pushing it into future years. So to illustrate exactly what I'm talking about, let's say the Falcons take Freeman's $6.5 million base salary next year, and they reduce that to $1.25 million. That difference of $5.25 million would be converted into a signing bonus, which would then be spread out over the final three years of Devontae Freeman's deal through the 2022 season. That would give him a cap hit of $6 million in 2020, but it would also raise his 2021 cap hit from $9.3 million to $11.05 million. Now, the Falcons could then still cut Devontae Freeman in 2021 the, after this upcoming season and wind up saving $4.5 million against the 2021 salary cap assuming there is football because we could have a lockout, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, but th- even if that was the case, they would still be eating a massive dead money hit of about $6.5 million in 2021, which is more than what they would take by cutting him this year. So if they did nothing to Devonte's current contract, he would only, if they cut him in 2021 after this season, um, he would only count $3 million in dead money towards the 2021 cap. So that's typically why you don't see teams restructure. And that's why the Falcons haven't necessarily been a team that has been all about restructuring contracts because you're essentially punting money into future years. You're not really avoiding paying that money. You're just basically saying, we'll worry about it next year. And so I could easily understand and see the Falcons saying, let's avoid that headache. Let's pay Devontae the full nine and a half million dollars this year. We'll draft his replacement, and then we'll plan to move on from him in 2021. And we'll ask Devontae to sort of be the mentor to that draft pick in the same vein that, say, Frank Gore was to Devin Singletary this past year. And, you know, I hear people say, hey, man, drafting running backs, uh, we've done that too much these last couple of years which is fair. Um, And, you know, I hope you're not suggesting Aaron that we should draft a running back early, which, you know, I am spoiler alert. I am. Um, And you're going to counter, well, you can find running backs anyway. You know, you can find undrafted guys. You can find late round guys, Philip Lindsay, Aaron Jones, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, et cetera, prove that you can find running backs everywhere. And you are 100% right. But here's the thing. If your team, and you're in the Falcon situation and you're looking for a guy that can come in day one and split reps with Devonte Freeman and, or a guy that can come in day one, split reps with Devonte Freeman and then potentially take over for him in year two. The odds are certainly higher that you're going to find that guy earlier than draft and just waiting till day three, the fourth, fifth round or whenever to find that player. So when I sit here, I'm like, you know, is what are the chances the Falcons take a running back in round one? I think they're extremely low, but I, I won't sit here and say that they're zero. That's what I'll say. Um, So, you know, I'm sure some of you just swerved off the road listening to me say that on this podcast. But, you know, you know, 
intending to. Uh, but I think more than likely you'll see the Falcons target a running back probably with one of the three picks that they have on day two of the draft where they have two second round picks and one third round pick. And I certainly haven't done my homework on this year's crop of running backs. Uh, but my guess is that the Falcons will want to try to find a running back that can combine both size and speed. And you know, if you're, if you're drafting a guy that early, that's kind of what you're hoping to get. Uh, obviously you want to get both, but you know, you, you, you probably would expect to see the Falcons draft somebody that has that size and that frame that could be a physical running back that could hold up to, you know, the workload of getting 15 to 20 touches a game, but also couple that with a guy that has that dynamic explosiveness to, to generate more of those breakaway runs that we haven't had since Tevin Coleman that we didn't quite get from Smith and, and Hill this year to the degree that I think we wanted them to. Um, and that Freeman isn't necessarily great at providing. So someone that would be a nice sort of one, two punch that can bring a little bit more of that dynamism that Freeman doesn't have, but also, you know, has the physicality that, you know, come 2021, if, and when Devonte Freeman's not around that guy can, you can, have no worries about giving that guy 15 carries and not feel as compelled um, to have to bring in another guy that can sort of split the workload with him. And so I know there are going to be many of you out there that are upset about the idea of the Falcons using a high pick on a running back. And, and many of you will be even more upset at the idea that I am suggesting that me of all people suggesting that that is a direction that the Falcons could or even should go towards. But as I said earlier, it's about, evaluating the team that you have versus the team that you want. And I don't think there's any denying that adding a a Nick Chubb or Dalvin cook or Joe Mixon or James Conner type of talent at the running back position, all of whom were day two draft selections would certainly help the team that the Falcons actually have right now. So that's something to keep an eye on. We'll sort of see, you know, all of this is sort of attached to what the Falcons plan to do it with Devonte Freeman. If they don't touch his contract, then I think they're just basically going to, we're going to pay him and we'll draft his replacement. If they do touch his contract, then, you know, they still might draft his replacement, but that is at least will get them some um, immediate caps uh, space so that they can spend that money elsewhere. Um, or they could just outright cut him and then they would probably, again, prioritize uh, drafting a running back. So I think it's inevitable that the Falcons are going to draft a running back. So you can either, you know, and look, I'm not going to blame you. Uh, You can either proceed to spend the next three months complaining about it, or you can just basically, you know what, like hopefully we get a good guy uh, that is that Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, James Conner-esque type of player. Um, that will make us all happy when we're watching him, you know, run for a thousand yards, you know, two, three years down the road, uh, you know, for the next three to five years or whatever the case may be. And, you know, value be damned. I'm just here to be entertained by a football team. You know, that's my suggestion. Obviously as a, a serial complainer, a professional complainer, I can't get too mad at people for complaining about things. It would be very hypocritical of me. So, Something to consider, but I do think it seems likely in my eyes that the Falcons are going to place a premium on upgrading that running back position come April when the draft time rolls around, at least as far as my thought process goes. But maybe the Falcons zig when I think they're going to zag and and do something completely different. So we will continue to keep an eye on this running back position. We'll continue to keep an eye on the fullback position um, and see what the Falcons plan to do with Keith Smith or go in another direction or you know, go to more tight end heavy offense. 
that seemingly was what they were looking to do heading into 2019, but didn't really do. Um, so a lot of, a lot of unanswered questions right now at the running back and fullback position right now. And there you have it, guys. Appreciate you guys for tuning in this week. We will be back for many episodes next week, continuing our positional year in review. I know the Falcons hired a head coach, not a head coach, a secondary coach. And um, my hope is that we will get a little bit more into Joe Witt when we get to the DB section of these year in review, because I think it's applicable, you know, getting my immediate reaction. It's a good hire. I mean, if that's if you needed a, a take, what do you think about Joe Witt? The Falcons works for me, you know, like no, nothing deeper than that. So that's something to keep an eye on. And we'll sort of see if the Falcons make any other additional coaching moves. We'll talk a little bit more about Mike Malarkey uh, when we get to the tight end position later on uh, next week. So you should expect, unless something major happens over the weekend, you should expect Monday, a wide receiver breakdown where I get to wax poetic about Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage and, you know, whine about Marvin Hall not being here. So uh, that's what you guys can look forward to on Monday's episode. Appreciate you guys tuning in for today's episode. And of course, by all means, if you have questions, concerns, comments, reactions, whatever you, you have any feedback that you would like to provide to this podcast, you can do so via social media on Twitter or Facebook at locked on Falcons via email at locked on Falcons at mail.com. And of course I'm open to all your feedback suggestions for future episodes, comments, um, questions about these positional breakdowns or anything like that, by all means, send them in and we'll get to them over the next couple of days and weeks. So appreciate you guys for tuning in until then. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.